Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Last Sunday, as you know, we held palms before Holy Week to greet Jesus saying, Hosanna, which means save us. Today on Easter, it is for his Christians to sing and announce again, Alleluia, which broken down from Hebrew means praise the Lord. The resurrection of Jesus Christ did not have disciples on that first Sunday who said, I believe in the resurrection. Their belief changed nothing of the facts over an empty tomb or how Jesus bodily rose from the dead. As our gospel text from St. Luke ends today, Peter walks away marveling at what had happened. Apart from failures or reservations over the whole matter, what happened is that God did what he said he would do. Beyond resurrected wonder, angels speaking, women coming and going, God wins. God wins with salvation given to us in his Son. Now, I'm sure everyone is familiar with being surprised in life. Whether it's a good or bad surprise, now we'll leave that up for question. And yet Jesus' resurrection, as surprising as it was to disbelieving disciples, actually was no surprise. But as God promised, the Old Testament speaks lots about a final day bodily resurrection and the coming of God's kingdom and all this stuff. But here's the, the kicker. Jesus brought this promising fact home to himself as being the king of the kingdom and of his own body. Weaving together the Old Testament with his word, he said, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is speaking of his death. But greater than a fish spitting out Jonah, death had to release God's son. For his righteous sacrifice as man put an end to death. The death sentence over our humanity. The living one, Jesus Christ, by his resurrection holds the promise of great comfort for you, always in him. But of course, you know, discomfort's all over the place on Easter. Let's be honest. It's not all that surprising. The women felt God's new era of salvation now alive in Jesus Christ. Perplexity, or frankly, confusion over the tomb was because reason could not put together this kind of a puzzle. It doesn't fit the picture that we see. The goal was to take care of a dead body. We all know what that's like with funerals and all this kind of stuff, but they could no longer have comfort in even doing that task. Fear engulfed them over the angels. It's a little bit more fear than we know because it's a little bit more than what those 
shepherds out in the fields at night felt when Jesus was born. Right? I mean, think about where the women are at with this fear. They're in the darkness of Jesus' tomb before this dazzling light from God. Unbelief also pressed upon them since by going to the other disciples, their words were treated like an idle tale, or you could translate it better, nonsense. Discomfort does not go well with us either. And yet we're at odds with a creation shaken by God's salvation. Questions come twisted even with our alleluias, still proving Jesus did not die and rise for people who have it all figured out. His newness alive by the gospel does not fit conveniently into your pocket or let us carry on with life as we see fit. It would be also easier to fear death, wouldn't it? And that would just be the end of it, as some people do. I mean, that's, that's really not too bad. But Easter makes known the glory of something greater before our life. The light shines in the darkness, St. John says, and the darkness has not overcome it. Disappointment, too, over the public sphere hurts today that was once friendly to Christians. And yet it hits really hard, doesn't it, when family and friends treat our Christ is risen as foolish. You know how it goes. Just pass the food and enjoy your day off. We cannot change that discomfort on the first Easter or how it plays out today. But what happened is bigger than simply the resurrection. Look to the comfort of Easter in the promise that Jesus is the living one. There was welcoming good news that was to be for the women in the tomb. A seen proclamation. St. Luke is the only one who records this kind of rhetorical question, he opens it up by saying with the angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? Here's a better translation. It gets to the point of saying, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Because angels live too, right? They don't die. They live, and when people die, they go to heaven too, like the saints of old in the in Old Testament times. But this is the living one. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? In other words, this man, Jesus, is God. In the flesh, your Lord and promised Savior. He is not here. He is risen. And the angels directed them to the comfort of his word, saying, remember, it's a command, actually, remember. Get it in your heads. Remember how he told you. While he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Witness to the, the apostles falling on their deaf ears also didn't change anything of God's faithfulness in his son. Christ reconciled the world to the Father, 
keeping his promise to die and rise, to reign with salvation over sin, death, and the devil. Some hard ears to be hearing that day didn't change a single thing. They'd hear, just as Jesus saw fit to give it for them to hear. The risen Jesus is the comfort that cannot be silenced. Preaching holds up the promise for you and any that the living one forgives and delivers. The justifying work of Jesus before us all our days, from cradle to the grave, disregards the season of changes because having been baptized, you've been baptized into his name. If in Christ we have hope in this life, we're of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Abiding in Christ's word, then, is to remember the promise he has made us his people. The church's alleluias, many churches saying alleluia today, celebrates not our hands, a club of elite people, or even a flawless kind of humanity that we hold. No, no. The death and resurrection of Jesus is a unity of grace upheld by his word and sacraments. And this is the will of him who sent me, St. John writes of Jesus, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. Remember, Easter is all about life that has no end. Life not in our hands. And that's joyful and much peace. The enduring promise is that the risen Jesus is faithful and is no way foolish. He has swallowed up all despair by his cross, and we rest upon him as the Lord. His triumph shapes our witness before this world. So maybe, and instead of just saying Jesus is risen, you could say he is the living one. Why do we look among dead things of the world that we have to deal with when Jesus has died and risen? Because he's God, the living one for us and for all people. St. Paul says, For to this end we toil and strive because we have hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So the triumph of Easter tells us God waits on no one to be comfortable with his salvation. He did not ask if we're okay with his son born of a virgin to fit in our box of God becoming man as the promised Savior. The Father did not ask if we're comfortable with the sacrifice he made in Christ, promising to bear the weight and the judgment of every sinner. Jesus did not ask if we're ready for his grace as promised but rather declared it true by being the risen Lord. Do you know how to respond to Easter? The surprise is this is what God had promised. You are reconciled, redeemed, forgiven. Christ is risen. You know how it goes every year, and you got to get ready for it. 
But more than some kind of cheerleader call, it really is about the living one. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. He gives you his very body and blood to eat and to drink. Remember his word. Do it often. Because he is the Lord who delivers that wonderful Easter into your lives to live in that hope, faith, and love. The living one, Jesus Christ, holds the promise of great comfort. Salvation for you. Salvation that is life everlasting. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting in his holy name. Amen. And with that living Lord, we now rise and make a living confession of the one true faith this morning with the whole church in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten.